a podcast where we discuss History Channel's Wilderness Survivor Show alone from the comfort of our very warm, or at this time of the year, very cool, very comfortable home. I am your host, Anya, joined here by my co-host, Josh, or CDJ, as one of our uh, view- viewers, listeners, Dev has called him City Dweller Josh. Say hello, Josh. Hey, everyone. All right. So today we'll be discussing episode six of season eight. The episode title is Smoked. Um, before we begin diving into the episode, I did some quote unquote information foraging. Oh, you like that right there? Um, to kind of give you a little bit more of a background. And the other thing I also want to do before we dive into it is thank and welcome all of our new listeners. We appreciate you so much. Uh, please, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review. We really appreciate it and we read all of them. Um, all right. So let's dive into it. So I believe last episode we spoke about how Matt didn't really get a fireside chat. That was incorrect. They just uploaded it to History Channel's website. So I'll be linking that in the show notes. I feel like Matt kind of got the raw deal on that one. Right. So it's kind of like... Why couldn't they put them both next to each other and like have one big chat? Well, maybe... Because they... COVID restrictions, COVID, tap out times, got right. it. Makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Um, but definitely check it out. We did take a couple of notes from his fireside chat. One of the things that we noticed was that Matt's shelter was tiny. We, we kept saying it looked like it was built for island life, not uh, northern territory life. Right. It almost looked like basically like a giant sleeping bag is how Nikki described it. So there's not a lot of room to just like get comfy. But, you know, it did the job for him in the moment. Uh, We also saw him like cut his leg with a saw. Massive saw. Always. And that was crazy. I feel like that should have made it in the show. The good thing is, I guess, his pants protected him. So while the cut wasn't all that bloody, it was deep. He said that it may have gotten a tendon so that's that's a pretty serious cut and i feel like go ahead he said he's still feeling it now right well now is in the fireside chat yeah but so that's i feel like that's pretty badass you know that they didn't even show it and he was over kind of going through that overcoming that look we've given matt a lot of shit here and and you know what let's let a spade be a spade and call him out for being kind of badass and working through that but at the same time, you know what? While a lot of them do say that, hey, I'm starving for your entertainment, you're also, like, starving for $500,000. You know, like, you choose to be on the show. And, yes, while at the end of the day it is entertainment, you know what you're signing up for. And a lot of these folks are wilderness experts. So, like, they understand the risks. I'm sure that uh, History Channel definitely goes over all the risks with them and i'm just gonna leave it at that um he also lived mostly off of greens and pine bark so again not a lot of protein there wilderness stew wilderness stew so but he did say he was able to keep that fire going with some really good logs so he didn't have to keep getting up all night right and i know we've talked about that previously too and how much that would suck yeah and i'm almost glad that he tapped out early because I feel like he'd have a lot more problems trying to keep the fire going 
once the snowfall started. And as you can see in some of the fireside chats, the snow is already accumulating and it's falling. Um, so a couple of things that I researched, the Beko on the Facebook page actually commented and said that they have, like the production has game cameras set up to monitor and make sure that everybody's following the game and hunting, trapping, all all the rules, basically, all the local rules. Big brother Justin Trudeau is watching. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they also do have GPS tracking. So the base camp is set up kind of like um, a headquarters. I don't know how many of you watched WandaVision, but it makes me think of like the... The Hex? The Hex camp that they had set up where they were kind of like monitoring everybody. See, the, the GPS trackers for me make me think they're all on house arrest in the wilderness. I guess, yeah, that, that would make sense. So <laughs> they're like, well, I guess it is kind of like a house, a house that they build, you know, voluntary hut. house arrest. Hut arrest. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so they monitor everybody's movements 24-7. They kind of know what the patterns are like. So if somebody is either not moving or not answering their check-ins, which they have, at least once a day, they, they'll send like a generic text message to their GPS saying all good just to make sure everybody's all right. So they know if anything extreme happens. However, sometimes it still takes time to get to the contestants. So it's still, you know, not like no easy task, like nothing super light. Uh, and then families of the participants do get updates after every med check. They'll send them an email saying, hey, this is how your person is doing. But again, they don't know if they're winning or losing or where they are in the rankings. Like all they know is just like, hey, they're they're okay. Or we pulled them for um, med reasons. And they said those are coming every 10 to 14 days, right? Correct. Yeah. So med checks, I believe, are pretty random. Like you kind of know when they are, but you also don't. Um, the given contestant's family member gave that estimate. Right. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was Coulter's sister who gave that estimate. I was trying to leave that part out, you know, just in case. Sorry. Uh, so, shit, where was I going with this? I forget. Oh, that's when they also, like, swap out batteries. They swap out memory cards. So that way they don't run out of, like, um, recording uh, space or equipment or power, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things are done with very minimal interactions. So you still want to kind of keep that illusion of them being totally alone um and not kind of it i feel like it also helps them stay mentally sane if they don't talk to them too much when they're doing these med checks um mentally sane is an interesting way to put that because it's it's not what's happening no no but i feel like if i talk to somebody if if somebody came for a med check for me it's like that false sense of hope exactly you'd be like oh man that was so nice to talk to people so if they stay quiet, you can never get that high of like, and as an introvert, I know it's wild to say that, oh my God, I miss talking to people, but I feel like in their situation, when you've been isolated for so long, even talking to anybody, even for like a very short amount of time, could kind of lift your spirits and then they, they're gone and you're like, shit. At, at the same time, and I guess I'll play devil's advocate for a second, if you're not talking to someone, you're getting more and more feral. And, like, when you're going back to your family, that's it's going to be harder to readjust to 
everyday life, if you will. Yes, it, and it definitely takes some time, especially starting with the food. You know, when they pull somebody, they don't just drive you to a McDonald's and say, go crazy. You have to start eating like broth. You can't eat solid foods for a while just because your body is not used to processing it. And you can get very, very sick if you go too hard too fast. So it's definitely a long process. You got to introduce your diet. Um, I believe Winona from season six had a fantastic YouTube video on what her body went through in recovery and it took her a really long time and I find that process just so fascinating what were you gonna say you're just smiling at me I I got nothing on that one I'm just I'm still laughing at getting sick from going too hard too fast and I just had a college flashback oh well yeah I feel like we've all been there (laughs) um the other uh tidbit is Nate Hi, Nate. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Or as we should say, Techno Viking actually did clarify that his shelter was about two feet deep. So he did dig it in a little bit in there. Um, And then in the beginning of the episode, I believe it was Coulter who ended up talking about a landslide that basically cut off the salmon to salmon supply to the lake and the landslide was called um fraser landslide i believe that damn kelsey grammar again fraser, that is it's called fraser river uh landslide so and that was a huge deal so what they did is they literally they had to move boulders the sizes of cars and they had to move salmon via helicopters so that they can still spawn. Is it like that video online where they're shooting them out of a cannon? Dude, I wish. That would be amazing. Sadly, they just put them in a helicopter and they're like, you're getting an airlift. Slapping the news reporter in the face with a salmon? So not only does that hurt the native communities that are there because they rely on, you know, they have their salmon fisheries, they really rely on the fish, but it also hurts the bear population because these grizzlies go to Chilco Lake, and this is one of the, I think it's the third largest salmon spawning ground in British Columbia. So they know they they rely on that salmon. And when it's not there, that's bad news bears, no pun intended. Um, It also puts more regulations on fishing. So I know they weren't allowed to fish in any streams or rivers going or feeding into the lake. So I'll put links in the show notes for this one as well for anybody who wants to read up on that. The other information I found out is that Chilco Lake actually doesn't freeze over, freeze completely during the winter. And that makes Coulter's boat actually kind of make sense because he can still fish in the winter. I mean, depending on how deep the lake does freeze, though, it, it, it's upwards of 1,200 feet deep. I mean, if if you're getting the first 100 feet frozen over, you're still screwed. Right. The other thing I did was I actually went back and looked up um, temperature, like weather archives. So last year in mid-November, the temperature was about negative 3 degrees Celsius. And that's about, I want to say, 26 Fahrenheit. So again, not like bone-chilling cold like we've seen in some of the previous seasons. Like, you know, season in the Arctic where it was just like 
one of the contestants got frostbite. However, they do have crazy winds at Chilco Lake that can give you that wind chill and really affect a lot of stuff. One of the contestants we'll see later on in the episode has really been struggling with the wind and kind of helping to control the wind. Um, and I'll put the link to the weather report in the show notes as well. Sources, sources, sources. See, I did my homework. Going back to previous episode, though, um, I think Michelle was dealing with the wind a lot. Yeah. Uh, based on those lips alone. Oh, my God. I still feel them. Michelle, I hope that your lips are doing much better now because that was painful. I hope the ChapStick is sponsoring you now because, <laughs> good Lord, girl. Right? Um, and then the other thing I wrote down as the episode was starting is face the deadliest predators in North America. Every episode, I feel like they hype up these bears, and we don't really see a lot of them. I feel like out of all the things that the contestants are dealing with, they're more of like a really dangerous nuisance versus like a constant obstacle that they have to overcome, if that makes sense. Like an ominous presence. Right. Yeah. So like, they're there, and we know that they're very dangerous, but so far... All we've seen them do is just kind of, like, pass by. It's because you can scare them away with a simple, hey, bear. Hey, bear, bear. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we do have, like, fat, be- fat beer. Fat bear week coming, and I think that's when they start getting a little bit more testy, a little bit more aggressive, especially because the salmon supply has now been cut off. So they're trying to find alternative food sources because bears don't necessarily travel. They just stay where they are since they're the apex predator. They actually cover a lot of ground from the research that I've seen. Oh, they do? They do. Let me see if I still have it up. Continue. Well, pardon me. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Overall um, thoughts on the episode, I feel like it was great. We're finally getting to see some action. We are starting to see some weather so I'm kind of excited everybody seems to be pretty settled in by now in their shelters so now it's going to be more so about focusing on that survival I just finished looking it up again Uh, grizzly bears habitat can range up to 600 square miles wow okay well I sit corrected um what what did you think about the episode Josh Uh, I thought it was pretty good um you know it was Interesting to see some rain start to make its way in. Um, I know we saw the snow in the previous fireside chats, but seeing them deal with rain and kind of the depressing nature that that brings along with it uh, was was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, I thought it was a, a decent episode. Sweet. And keep in mind that Chilco Lake is, I believe, 60 miles is the area of it. So it's, it's pretty big. So while some of the contestants could be getting snow... Others might not be, depending on what where their drop site was. Um, all right, so we're going to start with Clay. Obviously, with the way the last episode ended, we all knew he was going to get that book. Like, come on. I don't know. They left it pretty up in the air. If uh... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no. Uh, so... It, it went without saying that he was getting that buck. It was just a matter of how big it was. Yeah, and that was so impressive. He got it right in the lung, and you can tell that 
he got in the lung when he picked up the air uh sorry not when he picked up the arrow but when he saw some of the blood after he shot it it was that frothy blood with a lot of oxygen in it and then he just walks down like two steps more and there it was so like he almost tripped over it it yeah. seemed like that was a huge huge win for him uh again a buck isn't as big of a game compared to a moose and a muskox that we've seen in previous seasons but that is still such a big advantage and to get it this early yes i do want to say clay i don't know if you listen let me just lay it out straight it's okay for men to cry if you are so overjoyed with emotion you can cry it's totally normal and i feel like everybody just needs to accept men cry it happens just celebrate your victory of shooting a fucking buck when you've been starving. Um, but this was also very similar to how Jordan got the moose in season six because he also got it in the lung, but then he had to actually like track it for a couple of days, I believe, uh, or a couple of hours. Anyway, it was a long process, but this guy was just out right away. I mean, it's it's no rolling just straight up shanking a musk, musk ox, but... No, definitely not. Uh, prison Mike style. And now he needs to get it back to his camp. He needs to process it. And it's about two and a half miles from camp. Um, Again, at least unlike Roland and Jordan, he doesn't have to track it in the snow. I believe Ro- Roland had like a four mile trek that he had to do. It took him several days to like get that musk ox back to the camp. And, and that was hundreds of pounds for him. They said Jordan's was only, or not Jordan's, uh, Clay. Yeah. I'm getting all the names mixed up. I'm sorry. I know who I'm talking get about Get your ducks right in a row. Which season are we on again? Um, <laughs> no, so they said his deer uh, weighed approximately 130 pounds. Yes, so that's, a, it, that's about 50 pounds of meat that he's going to get. So that's an... Maybe like an average high school senior. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the cool thing about it is that he got meat. Now he's got to protect it. That was definitely you know one of the things that he started thinking about right away. Um, and we see him after once he processes the deer, we see him put it up on a rope, and that's when we see a little, um, what would you call it? like su- not subtitles but a thing that like flashed on the bottom of the screen oh the um, infotext infotext yes thank you participants were given additional heavy ropes specifically to hang meat because of the bears so i think that was really cool it didn't count against their 10 items um a fantastic way to preserve your meat if you hang it in the right way so that the bears can't get into um can get can get up on a tree and like grab it that way I think it said bears at a full stretch can reach about eight feet. Yeah. So, um, he always eats the heart first, just to kind of thank the animal. You know, I'm all about thanking the animals. And it's very nutritious, too. Very nutritious, yes. Uh, I wrote it down. It says it's high in iron, zinc, selenium, and a lot of B vitamins. I bet that the, the heart. In a little bit of that fat was probably a fantastic meal for him. So definitely makes you feel good. Um, have you eaten animal heart? I feel like I have, yes. I don't think I have. Yeah. 
I've, I've eaten a lot of weird stuff. I don't think that's one of them. It, it's definitely tough. It's not, like, pleasant to eat. Um, I would say, like, liver is probably one of my favorite things to eat. Liver is super easy. Um, growing up a little poor, uh, we ate liver a lot because it's not an expensive meat at all. Yeah. Liver and onions, don't judge me. No. I would a, still eat it to this day. Me too. Like, I love Oh, no, I'm, I'm telling the listeners, oh. not so much you. Oh, okay. So, yeah delicious and the air temp by him currently is 35 degrees so it's cold enough for the meat to stay okay for a couple of days but he definitely needs to start building a some sort of like a cooking a smoking box which he does start working on can i go back to the temperature for a second go ahead uh you know restaurant life i've mentioned before um below 40 degrees above freezing in a restaurant environment can keep for seven days before it's considered unusable. Huh. Okay. Very interesting. And that's just serve safe standards. I don't know if it's across the board across the country, but I know in Philadelphia, serve safe says seven days between 32 and 40 degrees. Well, I think for for him, it's also the fact that there's flies and stuff and, you know, like just wildlife. Um, Oh, did say flies will lay eggs and they will feast on the dead meat. Right. So he built this like mead box like a log cabin smokehouse right it, it looked fantastic so he's gotta smoke that meat cutting up the meat to prep it for smoking is a pain in the ass if you don't have the right tools because you have to cut it into very thin strips um and when he's building the smoker he's saying that like hey i'm not trying to keep the bears out per se I'm trying to slow them down enough to where I can hear them coming and I can maybe scare them away before they take all of my food, which I feel like is a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, he's lost 22 pounds so far. That metabolism. That metabolism. The, like, the, can you lend me some, dude? Me first. Me first. Can you lend us some? Just us, yes. Um, the, the one thing that I found interesting when I was noting everybody's weight loss is he's actually lost the least amount of weight out of all the contestants so far. However, proportionally, however, he also gained the least amount of weight while preparing for this show. So while, for example, like Biko lost an exuberant amount of weight, he was actually only a pound below his normal weight at this point of time. Whereas Clay was probably far lower than what his normal weight is, if that makes sense. So he's kind of... Some people beefed up. Right. In anticipation. And Clay couldn't do that because his body wouldn't allow him. Exactly. So now he's just going to worry about it. And while the buck is great, it is very lean meat. So there's not a lot of fat. So he might still be struggling with his weight loss. Uh you know, the the one thing I want to say is that we traditionally see somebody get, like, a bigger game, and that's basically it. They have the whole, the win in their pocket. And I feel like because we see this happen so early in the season with Clay, maybe there will be some kind of a plot twist. I know that the show is not scripted. It's not really produced in, you know in a way where they can kind of like alter our perception too much. But I think that this might be a lesson for the show saying like, hey, traditionally, you know, if you bag a 
deer or moose or whatever, this is it. You're done. You won. But maybe this is different. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Clay has watched previous seasons and seen how the people that bag big game have done, whether it's winning or making it very far. But he doesn't seem to be putting all his eggs in that basket. He's like, he just said he wants to stay a couple days ahead. Yeah. As he was processing that meat. And I think if he keeps going with that mentality, he doesn't get complacent with what he's got. Right. He also had the quote of the episode, if if I'm thinking about it. Um, he just flat out said, suck is the price you pay to be out here. That's I didn't catch that. That's a really great quote. I think suck he, is the price you pay to be out here. That that's Damn. the quote of the the quote of the episode, maybe of the whole season. Damn. Or of the series as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great tagline. Uh so the, the other thing I also saw that I thought was really cool is when he's smoke he built his smoker and you see the smoke rising and you just see the head of the buck, which we've been seeing in previews for so long. And it just looks like the beginning of like a heavy metal video. So Biko Again, talk to talk to Clay, talk to History Channel. See if you can get that footage, man. We're just giving you ideas, man. Like shout us out. Right. So all of this happened between day 22 and 26. We'll come back to Clay on day 26. And they just show him sitting on this little like hill overlooking the lake. And there's a beautiful double rainbow. And I feel like this is just, again, like a movie moment where it's like, can it get any better for him? He just got a buck. He's sitting there. He's watching this rainbow. Like... This episode was basically about Clay. Yeah. I feel like it was very Clay heavy. Ha, ha, Clay heavy. And, um... Would you say it was molded around Clay? I know there's a lot of people that speculate how much airtime the winner gets or if they're doing this to kind of, like, pull a fast one on us. I'm not the type of person who'll be like, Oh, well, they showed this person in episode one. We know winners always shown in episode one. I don't feel like that's necessarily a guarantee. While Clay is having a fantastic time, again, anything is possible. Um, He also admires the rainbow. And then he goes, I studied Stoic philosophy. And I groaned a little bit. Because I'm like, man, just let yourself be a little bit happy. Like, have a nice moment. You don't have to be so, like, stoic about everything. One more time, it's okay for men to cry. Just as it is okay for men to admire rainbows. Uh, I guess rainbows and stoicism. Stoicism. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. That would be my tag tagline. Rainbows and stoicism. Uh, There's, There's the description for the episode. Yes, yes. So then we are moving on to Coulter on day 22. And I am laughing, both of us are laughing because we we watch the show together, but we don't necessarily talk about it because we want to save it all for the podcast. And the first like bullet point I have is Coulter reminds me of that guy from the Reindeer Clay animation movie. So for those who are familiar, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at Christmas time, um... Yukon Cornelius has the flannel, the big red beard, the hat. 
Coulter looking like the Wish version. And I will say, Coulter is really growing on me. Like, I... This season just has some of... Some of the best participants when it comes to just being very animated, no pun intended, um, being so talkative and not just, like, boring. Like, there's a lot to their character. Like, yeah. like when, when Tanya Riesling did her news report? Yes. I think Back to you, Herb. I think we've seen that a couple times. In the, Didn't Callie do something like that one time? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But still, like, they're really fun. So Coulter is is really growing on me. He is um, living off plants and foraging, which is really smart. He's prepping for the winter. He wants to get at least, what is it, a thousand wild onions before they start to, like, completely dry off. I think that was the number. Yep. And he's making a little storage hole for his cranberries. And it's basically a hole inside, like, a rock formation that he covers up with another rock. So... Again, planning ahead. Really love that. He he also knows that foraging plants is relatively low effort and you get some calories. So very easy. The the cranberries that he was foraging for, thirty nine calories per one hundred grams. And they're very nutritious. They're very good for these, you. These infographics are great for me. Yeah. Coulter like if he has a UTI, he can just make some cranberry juice. Uh, you think he's just rubbing dirt in his pee hole after he takes his naked and afraid <laughs> bath? Listen, we've seen a few contestants put their fingers all up in poop. Uh, do you think he's just like rubbing the tip of his pee hole all no, the time? No, that is not what I think at all. <laughs> all right, moving on. Did, uh, did you hear what his goal was of how long he wants to stay out there? No. He set a goal of 100 days. Nice. He said if he can make it to 100 days, he should be in good shape. And I tend to agree. Yeah. I really love his purpose when he started talking about what he would do with the money if he won. And he talked about the importance of teaching urban communities on farming and just foraging and growing your own food. And I think because cities are so densely populated, it's extremely hard to, like, we have co-op gardens here in Philly, but it's nearly impossible to get a plot in one of those. And people really need access to healthy, nutritious food that's affordable. And what's the best way to do it? Grow your own food. I remember when I first moved here from Russia and we were driving through, like, suburban New Jersey my mind was blown because I would see these manicured lawns and I was like, wait, people just like water grass? Because back home, every inch of land that we had, you better believe we had like either a vegetable or a fruit because you depend on what you grow, on what you fish. So all of these things, like we fed ourselves. And I think his cause is great is to try, try to like bring that to more people and teach people about that what if all of that grass was for grazing cows because you know how much we love beef as americans and milk but then they just didn't have access to the cows yeah no you you tried you tried i'll give you a for effort i hardly tried (laughs) all right so day 23 with coulter and that's when it was raining. I personally love 
a rainy morning when you're camping because you can just lay in the tent and listen to the rain pitter patter on the tent and I feel like it's so relaxing it brings all the smells out unless you have a leaky tent then it's not a fun situation you know because the show's in Canada right now and I love letter Kenny pitter patter let's get at her means let's go when it starts raining and you hear that pitter patter I'm ready to leave I, I do not like the damp everything during rain camp rain no thank you I love it CDJ coming at you. CDJ, City Dweller Josh. So he is basically counting days until he can go out with a gillnet. He's only got 22 more days left because that's at day 45, they're allowed to use gillnets. Um, In the meantime, he's going to go check out his cranberry hole. I thought he made the fish trap first. Did he? Maybe. I don't know, but. He made a massive fish trap. Yes. And he did it very different, very differently because he used his boat and he built a little buoy for it. So he was able to drop it in a deeper area of the lake. So traditionally, when you make these basket fish traps, you would put a little bit of bait in there and you would put it somewhere that's down the stream. So the fish naturally swim in there. Because they can't use any streams, they can't use any bait, that's all they can use. So I think it's smart for him to at least put it in an area where he knows fish are going to gravitate to because it is warmer waters down there. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people complain about the fact that everybody is kind of making fish baskets and how unfair the regulations are. And here's my take on this. I feel like this show is, at the end of the day, while risky, it's still entertainment. So I believe that it's very foolish for us to disregard rules that have been placed, not just by like the governing country, but also by the natives that have lived on this land way before any of us have. And while you're surviving, you want to be able to catch whatever you want, we have to understand that we can still tap out, you know? But we shouldn't disrespect the land and the rules that they've set in place for us. I mean, in, in the same vein, like, it's a competition at the end of the day. Like, it's difficult by design. Yes. If If they drop them in an easy location where they can get whatever they need, then what's the point? And... It's COVID, okay? Let's just be appreciative that we got a season at all to watch and enjoy. Okay, so he put out his fist trap. He goes to check on the cranberry hole, and guess what? Yogi the bear. He, he goes, something big's been here. Like, what a, did you think it was, dude? A Sasquatch? You think it was the Incredible Hulk? You know what? I have read because comments, comments in the Facebook group, and he did say that he's heard some weird shit out there. Do you think it was a wandering Biko that got in there? <laughs> Maybe he sleepwalks. Maybe he sleepwalks. Or sleep swims, depending on which side of the lake. You know. Uh, but yeah, somebody pushed the stone aside, got into his hole, took some of his cranberries. It is what it is. You know. Um, so that's 
That's Clay. No, that's Coulter. Coulter. Clay Coulter. They, they finished up with him hopping into the boat again, though. And he didn't just, like, hop. He hopped off a log, feet first, like, jumped on this thing. And I almost screamed a little bit because I Because was you like, thought his knife was going to fall out of his pocket again? I thought he was going to go straight through. I was, I was worried for him. Yeah. I will say, like, I might eat my words at the end of the season if this boat thing works out for him. I feel like we're now seeing a lot... A lot more from Coulter. I know in the very beginning he was a very strong contender because he lives in Alaska. He spent 42 days alone before. His mom is a super fan. He doesn't have wife or children to worry about back home. So... like, I feel like he's just disconnected enough to be able to go the distance. Yeah. And he's also like... He doesn't t- take himself too seriously. So his... I feel like his mental like state is still pretty like pretty good yeah i like honestly i think he's doing great so then we're gonna move on to Teresa. still still working on the house on day 23 girl girl that that pit house i feel like is taking up a lot of her energy but the damn thing looks good it looks good uh she said something that cracked me up she said my lips are okay and I can still smile. It's as if she's seen Michelle's lips at the end of the last episode. I was like, how? So she's trying to move into her house, but first she wants to figure out her fireplace situation. Ventilation. Yes. Smoke. Yeah. Which I feel like is smart, you know, test it out before you move in. So she has to basically build a chimney. Were you going to say something? No. Okay. So she has to build a chimney. She's got a bunch of river, uh, lake rocks uh, for the chimney. And as she is, you know, she's putting it up. Uh, she's making sure everything looks good. It's not super cold, so she's not, like, needing the shelter right away. And I know that they do have, you know, at least, at least zero degree sleeping bags. They're probably negative 40 sleeping bags, which is what I have. And that thing gets hot. So, I feel like the shelter is more so important at the moment to be safe from the bears, not necessarily, like, the cold. little extra shelter from the rain, because that seems to be coming more frequently now also. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll move on to day 25 with her, and she's washing her hair with some hot water. I wish she could have, like, gotten some pine needles to soak in the water before she washed her hair because that is an amazing conditioner. You can also do that with, like, uh, birch leaves. We used that in Russian banya. You just soak it in warm water. Oh, my God, your hair is going to be so, so soft and shiny. What are the branches you smack yourself with? Uh, Birch trees. That's what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Here for this little spa moment. Get it? I feel like I feel like it's really important. Just like having clean hair, like that definitely like again makes you feel better and just kind of like having some kind of a routine to stick to. You know, it's it's creature comforts. We've talked about it over and over. Yeah. So the other thing is we haven't seen her eat like at all. Yeah, not really. Much. I know. I know a lot of it is editing. I know she also brought uh, the pemmican. We don't know what she brought. It just said. Oh, food I thought ration. that's what it was. Okay. It, it was one of the choices on there. So Got it. It could have been a couple of different things, but she also did 
say on a Facebook post that, of course, she's been eating. She doesn't just eat air, which is comforting. But I, I wish they would have shown a little bit more of that. I bet that fresh mountain air is delicious, though. Well, there's not a lot of it because you're, uh, you're in at, at an altitude. Eh. Agree to disagree. Okay. So the other thing she talks about is how she's been diagnosed with OCD as she's building the chimney and she has to rearrange the rocks just so. So it kind of makes it hard for her to focus on multiple different things because she has to have the task perfectly finished before she can move on to the next thing. As somebody who's been diagnosed with ADHD, I'm kind of like the polar opposite. I focus on too many things and then I do all of them half-assed. She's doing one thing whole-assed. Thank you, Nick Offerman, for that quote. Um, But yeah, props to her for, again, like talking about mental health. I feel like a lot of contestants this season have been very open about what they're dealing with. Uh, so she's done with the fireplace. She's going to spend her first night in her house. And she's just like, this is the first time I'm in my own place. In my own house. This is the first time I've been able to be in my own house. So so she's a millennial. I was going to say, as a millennial, I can't wait to be able to relate to that. But you have had your own place to live. I mean, with you. Yes, it is I've our space. I've never been like, like... It's not a roommate that you have to worry about, like, stepping on toes. Right. You don't care about my toes. No, I don't care no. about your toes. No. Neither do two of our do- dogs. They don't care about anything. Make You make it seem like we have a thousand dogs. We have two dogs. I said two of our dogs. Our two dogs. Our two dogs, yes. <laughs> two of our dogs just makes me think we have a thousand. I'm ESL, and I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm just gonna lead ESL for the rest of however long we do this podcast for. I So, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Teresa. I feel like she is a very strong contender. She's still mentally all there. She is keeping herself busy. Her shelter looks amazing. She has so much knowledge that I just want to see and like learn stuff from her. Um, again, I also don't understand why people like hate her accent it really doesn't bother me much i mean it's noticeable but it's not offensive right people are like no i can't i can't do this just like pick one or the other and maybe it's because i'm one more time i'm so sorry (laughs) it's because i'm esl and like i kind of understand um i just i don't find it irritating yeah so I really want a woman winner, and I feel like she actually has the grit to do it. I believe in her. I agree. You know, Coulter may bag the buck, but like... No, no, no. Clay bagged a buck. Oh my fucking God. Coulter made a boat. What is... Just take this vape away from me. Teresa built a killer shelter. Yes. I'm so sorry. Everyone's excelling at something. We're just mixing them up. You know why I keep on calling Coulter Clay? Because of the clay... Mation. That's all right. I called Clay three different names before I got to his. I'm like an old grandfather trying to get through <laughs> all the kids' names. We need like a daily vitamin. Or like however many ants or bugs we gotta eat. Or just a whiteboard with everyone's proper name on it. 
yeah, we'll, we'll get there. All right, so then we go to another one of our favorites is Biko. Biko! Ooh, okay, don't break any windows here. So he's reading his personal rules list to us. Carry the bow. Always. Always. Very smart. Very elf-like, which you're a troll. You're not an elf, Biko. But I can see where you're coming from. Number two? Number two. Use, Use gloves when using a blade. Coulter, are you listening? Coulter. Use the button on your pocket when there's a blade inside. Biko is making an effort to not cut his hands open. Yes. All right. What's the next rule? Keep track of all critical gear, which he's doing a good job of with the ferro rod around his neck. Yes. Because we've seen many a ferro rod lost in a fire. Yes. And the final rule is don't don't press the the fucking tap button. That did not work out as well as I thought it would. Oh, well. Okay. So, he's going to go fish. Um, And I wonder if due to the salmon situation, if the other fish population is actually higher. I don't know. Are salmon predators? I think bull trout are the only ones that eat other fish in that lake. Well, I'm thinking like food resource wise. You know. I mean... Definitely doesn't seem that way so far, based on what we've seen, but anyway. The rainbow trout were allowed to grow to a pinky size. Yeah, yeah, pinky size. And that's on, a, on like, Nate's hand, I would say, if we're going to compare. Uh, Biko's lost 50 pounds already. We touched on that briefly earlier. Yes. 50 I, pounds. I get really irritated by when people say, like, Oh, well, you know, fat people like just stay out longer cuz they can they can do that. They just got the fat protection. Okay, well, that's that's an advantage. He's burning fat at twice the rate of clay right now. Exactly. And he gained a bunch of weight for the show. Also, those overalls for the butt crack protection are looking real good right now, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they're they're getting real roomy. <laughs> so, can you imagine the plumber's crack while he's trying to do his Day to day. I don't want to. I don't want to either. I'm just going to just picture. imagine having to pull your pants up like every five seconds all day long. Yeah, no, that would get real irritating real fast. So there's nothing in his fish trap. He's going to go try lure fishing. And he does seem a little frustrated there. So I really hope that he pulls through. Biko, you're my dude. He kind of sounds like Jordan when he's talking about fishing because he was like, normally I enjoy fishing, but this just kind of sucks. He he said, you know, it's it's pretty terrible when you have to depend on it and it's not a relaxing activity anymore. Yeah. Like, I love fishing so much because it's so relaxing. Ha. I'm the opposite. I have no patience for that. No, no. It's just, it's just so fun once you get into it. Like, I, lo- I love the process of fishing. I'm sorry. Disagree. I am my father's daughter, after all. I'll, I'll get you fishing simulator on the PlayStation. I love that he said that he should have brought a picture of his old work. And he said he was working in a factory, so he's bringing, breathing in, like, fiberglass and all that stuff, which is not fun. And I'm glad that he has the chance to just, like, be out 
in the mountains, just kind of breathe nice mountain air, you know, give his lungs a break. And I really hope that he can win the money so he doesn't have to go to the awful place and work there again. Um, so, what does he do? Caught a fish. He caught a fish. Rainbow trout. A rainbow trout. Not the biggest. Not no. so tiny. On day 25. Cue metal scream. Because what does, what deters bears? Metal music. Hey, bear. So he's just making so much noise at his cook site, which I feel like is a great idea. And then comes our, well, not our favorite part, my favorite part at least. So he's talking about how his dad is the one that kind of got him into fishing, similarly uh, with me. But he is doing this thing where he's eating the whole fish, and first he sucks out the eyes. And he goes, let me see, which is what his dad did when they went fishing. So it's kind of like he's taking the sight from the fish so he can see. I feel like that's really cool. I feel like Biko is extremely connected to the lake and to the like nature of the place. I know before they started the season, they did two weeks at base camp and they actually had the aboriginal people come in and talk to them about you know the area and do a little like water ceremony so i feel like biko really took that to heart and i also have a funny story so when my dad and i would go fishing and we would fry fish over the fire my dad would always cut out the bladder which was basically just like an air sac and he would put a coal to it and like fry it until it turned black. What do you yell? Let me pee! So it was delicious. It's strangely enough one of my favorite parts of the fish if you just fry it on, an, on like a coal. But yeah, now I'm gonna be like, let me piss! <laughs> Anytime I do that from now on. So thank you, Biko, for the inspiration. So. Overall thoughts on Biko? How's he doing? I feel like mentally he's still very much there. Yeah. Uh, minor frustrations that he's pushing through. Um, seems like he's having fun. Yeah, I feel like he's he's definitely like a, a wild card. He's a wild card. Yeah. He he's, he's he's a sleeper pick, I think. Right. He's not maybe he's he's not necessarily as experienced as some of the other contestants. But I feel like he's taking this very seriously while not taking himself super seriously. And you need a good balance of that to really stay in the game. And I think he has a really creative adaptability to him. Yeah. Like, he found a nail and made a knife on, like, the first episode. Right. So, can't wait to see how that goes. Uh, Then we have Rose, and we literally get, like, 60 seconds of Rose on day 26. It was just a Rose, like, montage. It's, well, I find it funny because it's, like, Clay is, like, oh, I I killed a buck, and I built this, like, smoking, um, a smoker for the buck. And then we see Rose, who's just, like, I made a door. We (laughs) We saw more of Rose in the end of the episode preview than we did in the episode itself. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because she's just not putting out a lot of useful footage, but it just seems like we haven't seen her do much. You know, we don't really see her eat. Um, We've seen her, like, 
build a door and then she talked about her life back in Pennsylvania you know how her store got broken into four years ago and then her son went off to college and then she got divorced so she went through this like really big life change and she decided to like teach herself all these things and she needs to have a purpose to exist and that's why she started the teaching and fishing um other than that like we really haven't seen much from her i'm impressed that she's made it so far because quite like honestly like we forget about her because we don't see her it's it's not to say she hasn't done anything yeah but she hasn't done anything on television exactly so it's it's not like the, the footage is just not there and i am so sorry if you hear this we are in the city and fireworks are just like Nonstop, and it's currently eleven thirty-five p.m. So, I'll try to edit them out as best as I can. Okay, so then we're we're moving on to our techno Viking, resident techno Viking. Uh, day twenty-two. His cheekbones are sticking out. He's looking real skinny. And I just in my notes just says, Nate, you gotta eat, bud. So he's gonna go check his lines. He. Well, wait, before that, in that, he he's still he still got his good jokes. He's calling himself looking like a Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon man. Yes, he's uh, admiring his skull. His skull. <laughs> so, he talks about being raised without a father. So, Josh, I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, it's a brutal reality. Yeah. And I love the line that he says. He said, we all come from a struggle. I feel like that definitely rings true to everybody. No matter where you are in life, you come from like a certain place that pushes you to be a better human being. Um, so he's going to go check his line. Looks like he's got a big old bull trout. But in the last moment, what happens? The bull trout escaped. It just yeets. But not because it got off the hook. Because it was eating this tiny fish that was on his line. Yep. That was a tiny, tiny rainbow trout. Tiny, tiny rainbow trout. Pinky sized. Yep. So the next day, uh, Nate's doing some arts and crafts. He's building a catching net. And he says that he hasn't eaten any meat in six days. Which to a man of his stature is pretty devastating. Uh, he, I guess you can say he's gone full vegan. Trying that diet out. Didn't, didn't go too well for him. I heard you lose a lot of weight when you go full vegan. <laughs> Not really. You can eat french fries like every day and still be vegan technically. But he's lost uh, 35 pounds since drop day. And he's tall. He's lean. That's, that's a lot of meat off his bones. His abs are finally showing those Viking abs. <laughs> but having had two spine surgeries, there is not a lot of padding once you lose all that weight. And good thing he built that suspension bed. I still think he needs to like mass produce those. They look so fun. I I think that's a marketable product. Yeah. All you got to do is sell the line. Tell them uh, find the wood yourself, and some assembly required. Exactly. Yeah. You can, well, you can very low overhead. Very low. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> so day twenty four. Nate is drinking some water. Having tea time with Teresa. No, not with Teresa. Just having tea time. Tea time with turds. Tea time with poo-poo. And, man, like... He left the damn lid off his pot. 
And a squirrel used... May or may not have shit in that pot. A squirrel it's... used it as its personal bidet, okay? Shit or get off the pot. The squirrel chose shit. Uh, so, after that happened, he's building a fishing rod, which looked fantastic. You know, It was coming together really nicely. He, he really fits those joints. Yeah. Like, you saw it with the dock. Yep. You're seeing it with the fishing pole. Yeah. Great, great craftsmanship. But he's talking about his family. Talking about the family. Ruh-roh. You don't talk about your family. You're not Vin Diesel. Do not talk about your family. This is not the Fast and Furious. Cue the ominous music. <laughs> uh, but he was he's optimistic about the fish, you know. He said that the lake doesn't freeze over. He could probably keep the fish year, fishing year-round. But what happens next? Starting to feel nauseous. Yeah, the squirrel turds. The squirrel, squirrel pootie. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He said it could also be starvation, which like sometimes when I don't eat for a long time, like I feel nauseous when I'm really hungry, but then he actually throws up and it's like, no, that's not hunger pains. That's probably like. That's dysentery. Yeah. You oh. died of dysentery. Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Chilco Trail. Chilco Trail. Um. So he sits down and he's thinking about it and he taps out. And I feel like he did the right thing. It was definitely super, super sad because he was one of my top contenders. Really, like, loved watching him. His self-talks were awesome. I feel and like he had a lot of the mental fortitude, too, having been ex-military with deployment, with... A lot of isolation, and he's talked about it before. Like he he could have he could have hit pretty well, for sure. Uh, and it starts snowing like crazy as he's waiting for like oh, he's the, waiting for the boat, the boat, yeah, to pick him up. So four days after the tap out is when we have his interview. He apparently was basically like a medic in the navy, so that's when he kind of he knew his body. He was aware what was happening. He kind of said, you know, I started to redline and I kept on pushing past that. And there's only so far you can go before you're like, this is too, too dangerous. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. In my notes here, I I was asking what his wrestling name was. Do you, do you remember why I wrote that down? No. Crap. Nate, what would your wrestling name be? I know you're listening. <laughs> Um, the other thing I really like that he said, that he looks at failures as a process. So that's something I'm definitely putting in a back pocket for a rainy day. I feel like that's, again, just like such a healthy way of looking at life. Yeah, you're never, almost never going to get something on the first try, especially something new. Yeah. Especially something risky. It's never going to happen on the first try, so keep the perseverance yeah the other thing he talked about was his military service and we've had a few contestants throughout the season have come from a military background but the one thing that he said that really stuck with me is that while you can be away you can be deployed and be away from your family you're doing that you don't have a choice you have to go and you have to stay there but the fact that on alone while 
yes, you're by yourself and you kind of have to stay there, there's still that aspect of free will that you can tap out. And I think that's kind of like that carrot dangling in front of you. Just be like, do you really? You don't have to. You know, if, if things aren't as good, just go home. And I think it's harder because when you're deployed, it's like, well, you got to do this. But at the same time, you kind of have either an end date or you're not totally isolated. I feel like it's more of a a suck it up buttercup mentality. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, Nate, for all your insights. Um, Wish you the best, man. Like, I think it was awesome to see you on this season gonna miss your witty quips yes we definitely will did nate have the scottish accent yes i I was really looking forward to more of that right um please just record your inner thoughts someday and post them somewhere yeah so now we've got five contestants left we've got five down five left yep halfway there we got Teresa, clay coulter Biko, and rose so oh, we saw them all today. We saw them all. I know in the previews they definitely show a day fifty-eight, so it goes to at least there. Rose posted a screen grab from a preview from the upcoming episode, where she's bawling out in the open with the radio in her hand, and her caption was pretty was pretty vague but at the same time kind of pointed it was ominous i pronounced that correctly you did though me i normally don't she doesn't so i feel like she probably doesn't tap because that would like violate her nda to just be able to post something that obvious but i'm very curious to see what happens on the next episode it definitely looks like it snows by her um and it, I feel like... It could like, be any number of disasters, too. Like, it could be bears. Yeah. It could be a Beats. fire. Battlestar Galactica. It could be Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> could be hornets. Could be hornets. It could be a 14 bear encounter counter. It, oh, yeah. What was the bear encounter counter for this episode? I just said 14. 14. All right. So, I'm really excited to see more of Rose... Because I really can't have any sort of an opinion on her. I don't have a read on her whatsoever. Right, with as little footage as we've seen. Maybe she just took garbage footage. It could be that. And I know that the production has like thousands of hours to go through. And they start going through it as the season is still filming. So we'll see. We'll see. Any any other thoughts on the episode? Um, no, I mean, I think we kind of went over that pretty well at the beginning. Um, down to halfway. Yeah. And some predicted candidates and some unlikely candidates are there in the top five. Not all of them would have been in my top five. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we have a really fun bunch of people. The personalities are bigger yeah, I feel like season. Rose and Clay are the two more, like, serious... More subdued. Stoic. Stoicism. Yes. 
And then we've got the other three that are a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun to watch. Uh, yeah, so these that's, that's my thoughts, basically. I believe there is 11 episodes this season. So we're only about halfway there. No, we're, we're about, yeah, we're halfway there. Um, and again, thank you so much to everybody tuning in. Please leave us a review, rate us. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us on Instagram at homealone.pod. I'm on there all the time. You can DM us with your opinions, suggestions for the show. We're definitely open to it. And that's all we've got for this episode. So we'll catch you next Monday. Bye. Later.